Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Ag Market Network monthly cotton teleconference here for the 10th of November. I want to thank our sponsors, Bayer Crop Science, for making this program possible. They have been our sponsor for many years, and we thank them for supporting us. I want to thank our cotton panelists with us today. We are being led today by Dr. O.A. Cleveland. O.A., thanks for leading us off today. Well, Pat, thank you so very much, and I appreciate the listeners coming on and making it possible for us to do this. It's a lot of fun. It's exciting and uh, a lot of grief to put up with from your friends, but it's always fun. But yesterday's report was, as they've been all year and are frequently, was quite surprising. And the surprise always is a surprise. We think we know what's going to happen, and it seems that we never do. Uh, I looked at comments from yesterday. I saw comments from bearish to neutral to bullish, and I saw some awful good people saying the comments were bearish, or the report was bearish. I personally come in online saying it's uh, neutral plus or mildly bullish, and from my standpoint, while the U.S. numbers market-wise were certainly very bearish, suggesting lower prices, you look at the big picture, you look at the world numbers and focusing on the two things that I like to focus on, consumption and ending stocks, they were not neutral plus bullish, but uh, I thought they were mildly bullish. I think USDA finally picked up on some things that have been we've been seeing in the market, and it was good to see that. Of course, given who I am, I criticize them on other areas, but I always say that they're the best ones out there, certainly better than I am. But we were, I think the report started off with just staying here in the United States with the larger crop. I thought we'd have a little bit smaller crop, not much, but uh, took the crop up 300,000 bales from 21.1 million bales to 21.4 million. They moved all of that into the carryover figure, increasing yearly carryover from 5.8 to 6.1 million bales. Now, they got to this big crop with a 900-pound record yield here in the United States, I believe, Kip. Uh, and what was what was interesting to me, well, we've seen it all. We've all seen it coming. With this, the Mid-South yield, every state in the Mid-South has a yield this year of above 1,000 pounds per acre. That's just incredible says a tremendous amount about the research and the investment that the seed companies have made in giving the growers uh, high-quality seeds. So uh, we look at the southeast, which, again, another another surprise, not surprising, but a very encouraging figure. Every state in the southeast was 900 or pounds or better per acre, and actually the big state, Georgia, was the lower one, which was not that unexpected, just given the diversity of the land area and the various land qualities that cotton has grown on there, but Georgia itself has had a 900-pound yield. Texas, John and Kip, all of you just make your comments, but Texas yields are just incredible. California yields were, were down. Uh, I'm sure... That's going to be Trump's fault, but they're not going to give credit to an extra 200,000 bales in California this year. Uh, that's obviously, as you pick up a jab at my best friend there. Uh, the, uh, the world side is where I found optimism. While production was increased 1.6 million bales, 
consumption was increased 1.3 million bales. And as you fall out through the stocks, ending stocks where I found also a bullish figure, world ending stocks were down 1.5 million bales. We're sitting a little above 90 million bales, or right, or actually right close to 91 million bales. Uh, USDA is estimating. I honestly think that by the time everything is said and done this year, I'm still holding out to get world stocks down much closer to 89 million bales or possibly even lower. Uh, major the trade in, in, in the major countries was, in, was uh, excuse me, was, was, was lowered some 600,000 bales world trade wars. I'd like to see world trade scoot back up because obviously that gets right directly to our exports, and that's very important. Another interesting figure to me, India uh, left, uh, USDA left world export, left Indian exports unchanged, but they increased what's already a record carryover in India, which uh, I've talked till I'm blue in the face about that. Some of us agree, some of us disagree. We'll just have to wait and see what boils out there. But uh, it's interesting that Indian, the USDA left Indian exports unchanged, yet we're basically not seeing India making offers in the world market right now. Yes, there is some, but there's, they're almost not there. I really find the, my optimism and my bullishness uh, related to the fact that We've got the U.S. crop right now moving in the world market. It's basically the the best price crop. It's more competitive than any other any other crop that's being grown. We've got uh, the, the, the the U.S. merchants are very aggressive with their basis offers, and we've got a market that's below seventy cents. And as a consequence, the U.S. has been able to sell just anything that's being offered with the cheap basis and relatively cheap futures. So there's absolutely no reason for a mill not to come to the U.S. and buy cotton right now. And they're showing us that with the numbers we're seeing, in my opinion. Uh, the shipments are actually low, and I think that's why USDA did not increase U.S. Export uh, the U.S. export number just because shipments are so, or I would say abnormally low given given how the, the rapid pace that our sales are coming in. So I think, again, the cheap basis, the cheap futures, we can, a merchant can sell anything he's got, 67, 68 cents. Uh, New York is, I'm with New York at 67, 68, 69 cents. So there's no reason not to buy U.S. The bills are coming in. They're buying it. They're buying it on call. They're sitting back thinking they're still going to get a little price. Now, I think the odds favor sooner or later the mills are going to screw up and they're going to end up paying more than they anticipated because they just have a propensity to wait too long. They've done that the last couple of years. But uh, right now they can't help but go out and buy it. I think prices are inflated outside somewhat the United States. That's why the U.S. is taking the business right now. Now, with that being said, again, I'll just sum it up by, with, with, with the comment that I found the report to be optimistic. I uh, don't want to run from the word bullish. I actually found it in today's scheme a, a mildly bullish simply because world consumption and where I come from, demand leads markets. World consumption was up 1.3 million bales, stocks down 1.5 million. Now, a lot of holes in that, y'all shoot right through them. Thank you so much for your time. All right. 
other people's comments on on uh, on the report. This Kip, um, I kind of want to say kudos to OA on that. I actually very much agree with what he said about that. I like the, the comment that uh, the report was neutral to at least moderately uh, favorable for prices. I, despite a larger U.S. crop and larger U.S. ending stocks, think his comments about outside the U.S. are are spot on. I'm particularly impressed with the uh, with the demand prospects we continue to see, uh, and this is. Part of what early on I was looking for uh, mill use not to be this strong. I was sort of resisting this. Uh, what I'm finding is world growth continues to be uh, better than I thought it was going to be. I thought we would plateau. We're still growing. Not to say there aren't problems out there, but I'm uh, I'm also encouraged about the cotton mill use. Polyester prices have gone up and are, are certainly... Uh, Showing a firm tone, which is very supportive for cotton usage worldwide. So I, uh, I'm just going to say I think that was a, a, a very good, uh, good description of, of particularly the world part of this report. Thank you, OA. Thanks, man. I need that help. <laughs> <laughs> and I too, I would, I agree with uh, the thought that you know raising U.S. production, I kind of discount. I don't see why anybody would be. I mean, it came as a surprise to me. I'm sort of I'm waiting for December production numbers to to be higher or to sort of finalize this question that we have a lot of U.S. production. But the fact that they bumped it up uh, this month, I mean, why would that really shock anybody? They've kind of been bouncing around. We've had surprisingly high reports in you know September and the August number was pretty high, and then they bump it up in September, then they whittle on it in October. I mean, this is kind of normal. So uh, I don't know why anybody would be shocked, and I don't know why there would be a market reaction, although there was a market reaction yesterday, and, you know, it dropped a cent from, I guess, the highs of where it was. But uh, I don't see that as being a really a big deal. So I, I agree with L.A. that neutral, at a, you know, at worst. Gerald, what are, your th- what are you thinking? <clears throat> Um, I, I need to wake up. No, the uh, <laughs> kind of early out there. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, the uh, you know the the larger crop. You know, it was a little bit surprising. I'm not sure that anybody. Well, I ter- terribly. I wasn't expecting it. Of course, I wasn't really expecting a, a big decline either. So you know, to to stay uh, to, to stay roughly. Uh, um, where we were last month, I, I guess, shouldn't be any, any big surprise. I think the market took it and took it in good stride yesterday. Still showed what sort of uh, uh, strength we've got down around 68 cents, and uh, I, I do think the larger crop is probably going to, at least for a little while, keep a little bit more of a, of a lid on on this thing above 70 cents. But uh, you know, one of these days, I think we're going to have to break out of this trading range and and. Uh, um, I, I think it's favoring that we're going to break out to the upside at, at some point in time, because uh, if you couldn't if you couldn't beat the market up after yesterday's report, um, I, I'm not sure when you can. Um, you know, stronger consumption. Uh, interesting that uh, a country nobody was even looking at. They went back and made uh, revisions. You know, for for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like you, planning. <laughs> it's, 
It's like you're getting, you're getting better info information out of Argentina than you are Indians, you know. Um, <laughs> it, uh, uh, anyway, it was just uh, it was quite astounding. But uh, I, I think, uh, um, you know, if, if you're saying that we're the cheapest cotton in the world, then that just means that we have to go up at some point in time. Um, or or until these other crops start coming online, the West Africans, the Brazilians, the Australians, um, you know, maybe we're just trying to get our, our piece of the pie while while we can. Um, but uh, I, I do find it interesting, the way you've been talking this year about, and, and granted, I, I think there's some truth to it in terms of, <clears throat> of a strong basis out in the countryside, and yet we're the cheapest basis in the world. How does that work? <laughs> well, we've got great co-op managers and merchants. And merchants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Any more questions? <laughs> yeah. okay. this, isn't a, this isn't a question. It's a hypothetical. So what, what, happens, what happens if um, uh, the supplies from West Texas and the southwestern region in general start flowing in and and what happens if there's a whole lot widespread low mic so a big chunk of it is you know is not not optimal and then you've got a smattering of bad color grades all along the gulf coast regions from georgia to here what what happens if if the u.s crop is definitely not the quality that it was in 16 and uh, does that does that move the buyers, um, you know, over to well Australia? That'll take time, but uh, it, does that kind of throw a wet blanket on it? That's what I'm wondering. Is that if it's sub quality, is it going to go into the loan and sit there? John, let me reproach, reproach that first because I'm not as well qualified as Kip and Gerald to answer that, but I want to get my comments in, give them more ammunition. First, uh, I think. I think that scenario you set up is happening or going to happen. And to digress a moment, I think that's why part of the yield numbers still surprised me because we're going to we are beginning to see lower mic, and that just says the fiber did not mature as to as as, as well as it could have. So the bowl counts that we're seeing and, and the initial bowl weights are going to lighten up. Consequently, our yield is not going to be there. But we still got a big crop. Not discounting that. Now, uh, I, I, I suggested that we would have quality problems and that might, might, we might lose some exports to Brazil later on, and we will, and to Australia later on, and we will. But nonetheless, uh, the merchant came back to me and said, wait a minute, we're going to have more lower, low grades than we've had in a while, and actually that's just going to give us a larger spectrum, an array, of, a wider array of varieties or staple links and color grades to sell, and as a consequence, it's going to increase our exports. So now then, you two guys that are in that business or haven't been in that business, y'all tell us what's really going to happen, please. Uh, well, increase thing, them, but at a lower price. That's right. Discounts take care of the lower grades, and I. You know, I, yeah. I think that always really onto something with that. And merchants, I think uh, Gerald will probably uh, 
better versed, particularly in today's market, to talk about this. But typically, the lower grades tend to be marketed at discounted uh, discounted prices, and there's a very good market for that, depending on uh, particularly when you're in a scenario where demand is good, which it is now. These mills are out there wanting to buy some cotton, and they'll they'll mix in some cases where they can if the discounts are accurate. And if you have enough of that discount cotton. The, the differences will take care of that. It just may take a little longer than, than you think. One comment that was made a moment ago I want to address before I have a chance to forget it is uh, OA said earlier that the shipments are low. Uh, the actual exports of U.S. cotton are pretty low right now, and I agree with that. The comment that when the crop starts to move, uh, will it discount price in and of itself, not talking about the, the grades, I think we're going to be in a scenario where we play catch-up. Yeah. So I think part of the reason the uh, the shipments are down is not that the mills don't want it, the shippers don't want to get it out. We've uh, you got to remember we've had some pretty adverse weather conditions that have slowed down Jennings, it slowed down the, the warehouses, it slowed down movements. Uh, the hurricane in, in Texas had, a, had an impact on on the way the cotton actually moved. I think when it starts to come in the pipeline, we're going to see shipments pick up quite a bit, and that's going to maybe kind of catch us up on that. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I know that's a little off topic, but I wanted to mention that before I had a chance to forget it. Gerald? That's a great comment. I think it's well, right. The, well, they have to. I don't think people are just registering sales for the for the heck of it, you know. Right. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I know that our our receipts are coming in a little slower than expected, and, and uh, uh, mills are starting to say, hey, where's my cotton? You know, we, we need that stuff. So yeah, um, it's 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 just an infrastructure problem trying to move stuff through the system right now. Um, big crop coming in, and then you got to turn around and, and ship it right back out. Uh, you know, these warehouses are working uh, uh, working overtime. I think. Kip, I mean, John. Another way to look at that, the way I look at it, folks make fun of it. It's like. Uh, like uh, California cotton and Mississippi cotton, uh, I compare it to fine wine versus the wine produced in Mississippi. You get the price of Mississippi wine right, we'll drink it. We won't buy the California wine. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, an analogy I can understand. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I guess the next question everybody's got that's listening is, what's cotton going to do? What's the price of cotton going to do? So, away. Well, let's start with you. How low can we go? How high can we go with this market? Okay. Well, I think the lows are in. I think this 64, or let's say 65 cents plus or minus right in that little area right there, right there is our low. I'm not optimistic at this stage of anything above 72 cents. I get a little bit concerned, actually, once we get up to 70, 69 and a half. We've really struggled at that area. We get up to... to Seventy and a half, maybe it does take us up to seventy-two, seventy-three. But I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Nevertheless, I would think that mills are still going to stay in the market. They're still going to come to us for cotton all the way up to seventy. They'll, they'll come all the way up, but I think in volume they'll still be, be standing there buying cotton up to seventy-two cents. Uh, so I, I don't, I, I, I don't see it. A lot of downside pressure. I know this crop is huge, but the carryover is here in the United States. And that's another reason U.S. merchants are being so aggressive with their basis. Uh, uh, they, 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 they want to move this crop. I'm going to digress, Pat, just a moment because I know 
these comments bring us to an end. But Kip made the point about polyester prices, and they've been strong uh, or versus cotton. They've been very competitive. And all, all of a sudden, in the last six, eight months, we've seen poly moving higher, higher, and higher. We're seeing more and more plant closures in China. We're not seeing the online, the, the new online production coming as they told us it would. Just a tremendous amount of pollution problems and the legal system over there is really cracking down. Kip turned me on a couple of weeks ago to higher nylon prices. Um, so just cotton is more competitive, period. Uh, Gerald, I did not. I, I saw the on-call report. I think we're still getting a lot of support in that. I didn't print it out yet to have it. So consequently, it's uh, on-call sales a little bit less than last week, but still above 141000 so all of this supports prices. That's why I feel like this 64, 65 cent low is in, and it's uh, we're still going to keep pushing this trading range. Great comment, John, with respect to another month. We got to wait on this December report to try to get this acreage set up. Thank you. Let's go to John next. What are your thoughts on the on the market, John? Uh, well, I'm I'm being influenced by these thoughts about uh, the potential for uh, it being uh, to 70, 70 or a little higher. It seems like I was looking at a chart the other day, and it looked like uh, uh, you know, getting above 72 uh, from that perspective would be kind of has been hard. And so I might put resistance there. I, I'm I'm still worried about the possibility of of a big crop settling in and big big crops around the world, so I'm I'm going to put it, I'd say, 72-62. Okay. Kip? Well, it's well known I've been the most bearish of the lot for quite a, quite a period of time here. Um, I am not as bullish, I think, as the other fellows, but I am not as bearish as I have been. Uh, I, I do think we're in a scenario where the uh, – one, one thing that I, I want to bring up before I forget it, and that is the, the – Pakistan uh, crop apparently is going to be pretty large. Uh, people are talking about it being a little bigger than what uh, I was surprised USDA didn't bump it just a little bit on this report. But I'm hearing more and more about quality problems there, and I'm seeing Pakistan come in buying U.S. cotton at much greater volume than I expected. Uh, that in and of itself, you know, when you've got the, you know, the third largest uh, consumer of cotton in the world that needs international uh, cotton, when they've got a pretty good-sized crop, is uh, about only one way to, to interpret that, and that is that some cotton is going to be displaced somewhere when they come into the market. I think they're going to take a little bit more of that Indian cotton. That in and of itself puts sort of a, a floor on this thing. The range, I, I'm not going to discount the fact that we could see uh, when these crops come on uh, and the northern hemisphere crops finish. Uh, which I, I still think outside the U.S. is going to be a little bit larger than what we're looking at, but that's going to be uh, offset or to a degree by this strong demand, which quite honestly I didn't expect. Uh, I'm thinking we're more around the 61, 62 level for a low. I'm not going to discount the fact that we can't actually go a little lower, particularly uh, when we get in a scenario where these crops do come in. But the high end, I just uh, I think we're going to get an awful lot of uh, – Awful lot of selling from the farmers, uh, particularly the farmers, at around 70 cents. So I think it's going to be tough to get the market much over 70 cents, 71 cents, uh, probably in the March contract. Okay. Gerald? The, the, um, 
You know, a couple things. Well, number one, it's it's hard to disagree with anything that anybody said so far. Um, you know, seventy to seventy-two cents. Maybe you get a little blip of up uh, seventy-two for a short period of time, but uh, you know, the the downside doesn't to be uh, uh, expose things very much, with the exception of if 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 we're going to get rid of some stocks here in the United States this 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 year. You know, maybe prices have to move lower to discourage some plantings for uh, for the following year. I, I don't think that we need another 121 million bale crop around the world to satisfy the uh, to satisfy the world demand. So I I, I, I think prices may have to move lower just just to discourage uh, just just to discourage plantings. And you may not need it. I mean, with these unbelievable yields out here, you know, you're you're not going to need the area that uh, that we had this year. So <clears throat> it, um, I could see it's falling down to the 63, 64 cent area. Uh, ironically, during the springtime, <clears throat> in the early springtime. So, um, the uh, but I I wouldn't expect it to stay there for for very long. Carol, if, if you get prices at that 63, 64 level outside the U.S., does that? I know that discourages a little bit of area, but does that really have an enormous impact on area? I, the numbers I've run would say that it's you might have to take a little lower that to really make a, a difference in outside the U.S. without governments involved. I mean. Well, maybe you're right, Kip, because I mean, with with the yield uh, advances that we're making, um, you know, you can stand a little bit. Uh, to, to just really discourage planting, you're probably going to have to move lower than we think. Right. It's going to impact the U.S. producer, I think, but I'm not so sure if you look at the whole, it, it might not have as much an impact. It's certainly going to have some. I'll argue that. Thank you. If I, if I can jump in again and just to be the devil's advocate there, uh, the, yesterday's reports were much more bearish for beans and corn. And we get this bearish report for beans. Now, that carries us into 2018. At least in the Mid-South, a lot of discussion for 2018 is potentially lower cotton plantings in favor of beans. Beans are just too easy to grow relative to cotton. The financial requirements are so much less. But we get bean prices a little bit lower, and all of a sudden even cotton, where Red Deck is today, is attractive. So, again, just... uh, it's really trying to start a conversation as to what next year's crop is going to look like, and I know that's for another Well, another well session. Now, that, now that you mentioned it, though, um, since we don't have the soybean option, wheat feed grains are uh, not exciting anybody, and so every conversation I've had so far is expectation that we'll have at least as much cotton in Texas, if, if not an increase. If not more. So yeah. I don't know if that'll... You know, you got to you got to take account of mid south substitution of soybeans, and you got to take account of. I've read reports from you know some parts of Louisiana where they're throwing in the towel and saying, "I'm tired of the storm damage. I'm not growing any more blankety blank cotton." So I mean, those effects are going to happen. But man, we're gonna. I think we're gonna have we're gonna have as much if not more. And if it's dry, I and mean, we are in a La Nina forecast, if it's dry, that'll bump the plantings up even more out here. Any other thoughts? I'll change a little bit. Go ahead. Excuse me. Yeah, one more. Yeah, Gerald mentioned it uh, in in passing there. The major revisions came in from Argentina. We were not really expecting that. Not surprised after the fact. 
but we weren't expecting it. But also, we saw major revisions in Uzbekistan. So two two very important countries, cotton-wise, but not ones that are on our front burner as we began looking at significant changes, came in with very significant changes. Uh, so we have to drop back and say, well, a lot of this price impact, or let's call it market impact, came from two places that we don't talk about very much, which which is very interesting to me. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, let's wrap up our our meeting. I uh, want to thank Bayer Crop Science for being uh, our support, our sponsor. Thank you to our cotton panel. Special thanks for to OA for leading us today. And thanks to you, our listeners, for being with us on the Ag Market Network. We'll see you next month. Thanks, Pat. Thank, thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat.